Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 153 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I'm so glad you are here. I got an awesome guest today, a great episode, but before I get there, I wanted to let you know about Print Design Academy. The founding membership registration is open now. If you are a freelance graphic designer, an in-house graphic designer, an illustrator, or just a creative that loves print, wants to know more about print so you can become an expert in it, add it to your skills, add it to the toolbox, and as a freelancer, you're going to be able to make more income. You can add more to your services that are available to your clients. As an in-house designer, maybe you can get that raise you're looking for. You've added more skills. Take on more projects internally. Maybe you're looking at that creative director position. Add print understanding and become an expert in print design to add that to your toolbox. Printdesignacademy.com founding membership is only open for this week. If you're interested in that, you gotta head over there and check it out. Printdesignacademy.com. So today's guest, let's get to this. Today's guest is George F. Baker III. He is an illustrator, muralist, and conversation creator, freelancing under the name GFB3. During this episode, George tells us about how he was dabbling around all sorts of different creative careers for 10 years before he nailed down GFB3 and what he wanted to do. George then tells us about the phone call that he got from a friend that really changed his direction and the opportunity that came out of that. He tells us about the mural that was super influential to him and is still important to him to this day, one that he saw early on in his career. George also describes to us how his first canvas was actually the t-shirt and what he did with that. We also talk about why this year, 2019, has been the most challenging time in his career, in his journey so far. He tells us why. Also in this episode, a quote from my buddy Austin Dunbar in episode 132 from Durham Branding Co. comes up. Don't remember if I credit him in the episode, but he gets it now. That muddy water showing up in the work. In this episode, George also tells us about the project that he took on and he tried to do it all by himself, even though we had people there to help him and what he learned through that process. And right near the end, George tells us about the live mural project for the NFL that just fell in his lap, what that was all about, how he pulled that off, and how that felt to him. Ladies and gentlemen, George is so fun to talk to. I could have ran two hours with him. I could make a week of George episodes. Uh, this was such a great episode, so I know you're going to love it. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, George F. Baker III. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, George. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing oh so marvelous, Dave. How about you? I'm doing great, man. It's awesome yes. to have you on the show here. 
Oh, no. Thank you so much for having me. So first and foremost, are you ready for a quickie? I'm always waiting for a quickie, man. Always. Oh, boy. So I'm going to start with the the challenging question, the real tough stuff. Okay. Um, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Oh, briefly? Is that the challenging part? That's the challenging part. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my name is uh, George F. Baker III. I'm an illustrator, muralist, and conversation creator based outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. But raised in Detroit, Michigan. Born in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places. Yeah, where there's nothing but cornfields and Walmarts. Nice. But uh, yeah, I've been here since uh, 2003, so going on 16, 17 years. Perfect. And you are working under GFB3? GFB3 is my business. And uh, yep, it's something I've been doing for probably around like the last almost two years now. Almost two years. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give me a little bit more history on that. What were you doing before Mm. you decided to start GFB3? (laughs) Okay, so with with my life, it's kind of already been kind of a whirlwind. Um, (laughs) I love it. Even even me stumbling upon, you know, doing murals and illustration full time, it's it's kind of it kind of was an accident. Um, What before two years ago, around like for like ten years, I've been like a graphic designer. Okay. Um, I've been a graphic designer. I've had like clothing brand. Um, I've worked in like the music industry with like putting on concerts and, and festivals in, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, so it's been a very interesting, but creative journey, you know? And I would say just like the main through line has kind of been me just, uh, man, um, just dealing with how space uh, products and and people all kind of like hit that good little Venn diagram, mm-hmm. <laughs> the nice little sweet spot of of just like space creation for people. Yeah. You know? So um, the stuff you were doing before GFB three, like you were mm-hmm. dabbling in creativity and being creative and sort of oh, circling yeah. around all of this thing. Um, mm-hmm. What was that pivotal moment where you went illustrational and muralist? That's the uh, one. Okay. Um, so, like I said, like two years ago, I got a random phone call from a friend of mine that I went to school with at Georgia State University. Okay. Um, he was like, hey, George, you know, um, the advertising agency I work for, they're actually looking for a muralist. Um, would that be something that you would be interested in doing? And I was like, I've never done that before, but let, let me see. He was like, okay, we'll just send over a quote and then we'll figure it out. So as a person that is... Uh, <laughs> what I love that right there. Yeah. I, I, hold on just a second right there. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, just send me over a quote for this mural. I know you've never done them before. You have no idea how to price it out, but send me, send me a quote. Exactly. It was, <laughs> it was so random. And mind you, like I had just left my, I had just left my job at uh, the screen printing shop mm-hmm. called uh, Danger Press um, because I was trying to just start doing illustration. I wasn't even trying to start doing like murals or anything like mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, when he said, he, he asked me to do that, I was like, well, you know, I have no time right now and I'm broke. I said, okay, let's, <laughs> let's figure it out. Uh, and so, you know, as a person that has attended uh, Google University, um, I quickly went on a search to figure out how much do muralists actually get paid and how <laughs> my prices. And then I saw it. I said, okay, well, I'm becoming a muralist today. It's happening. <laughs> the pay was <laughs> that good? Oh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it it shook me. I didn't even know. I yeah. had no idea. 
But um, yeah, ever since that moment, um, I just I ended up just kind of falling in love with it, you That's know. Cool. Um, and it wasn't even it wasn't even just the pay. Like it's weird. Like I got so immersed in like the physicality of what I was doing because you know painting murals actually does take like a lot of a lot of pain on your body. It really puts a lot on you, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I just I just kind of fell in love with like what it does like for people at the end of the day and how it just can like transform a space to become something brand new. So, so yeah. that's almost, you could almost say like the cultural impact of murals mm. potential. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it's very wild. I'm like, I, it's something that I would have never expected. Um, like in, in all my journey of like doing graphic design and, and putting on different like festivals, I, it's weird to say like, I've just never, I've never noticed the impact that really just paint and shapes could really have on people, you know, um, never, it never, it never came to my attention as something that I would personally want to do. But now that I'm doing it, it just, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I love the yeah. way you put that. Okay. So now I'm, I'm going to dive back even further than that, George. And I okay. want to hear mm. a little bit about your childhood. Oh. And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this direction of mm. all these creative endeavors and creative careers that you were a part of? Ah, uh, man, that's actually a very good question. Um, and it's, it's something that, uh, I've kind of been thinking about because in the traditional sense, um, I, w I wouldn't say I would say no, like it wasn't as creative traditionally. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my parents didn't say, like, here's a paint bucket and a paintbrush. Have at it. Yeah. Um, I would say I would say with me, the the creative part of my journey kind of came from the fact that I was moving around so much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, I was born in Omaha, Nebraska. And, you know, that's because my parents were in the military. Then my parents got divorced and then I got shipped up to Detroit to stay with my mom. Uh -huh. But uh, because I had to move around so much, I had to not only learn how to like, how to like, you know, uh, make friends and, you know, become comfortable in my new environment. But I had to see so many different types of people. And because of that, I was introduced to so many different types of careers of of ideas of thoughts of ways of being that i'm like for me that that's where i, I really pull from now you know i pull from all those moments you know? so by moving around so much and basically mm -hmm. every time you get to a new spot you're on yeah. a quest to find you know your group who's the guy who's exactly. the you know the group that i'm going to resonate with who's going right. like, to vibe with me right and right 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 in that quest you're meeting all these different kinds of people was there one particular person or group in that mm. whole journey that really turned on that creative light switch for you? <laughs> um, I would say that there wasn't, there wasn't a particular group because I would say for me, my, one of my biggest strengths is that I feel like I'm able to, I can connect with anybody. Cool. You know, I feel like I had and, the same talent in high yeah. school. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can kind of glean that. I can kind of, yeah, I just kind of bend myself like to sort of hang out with, you know, the popular kids for a little bit. And then these guys over here for a little bit. Yeah. And, and because of that, you end up getting such like a, a good mix of like of culture and people like, you know, um, it was so interesting. Just like the other day, 
what I, I spent the morning, I spent the morning uh, chilling with some of my uh, some of my Dominican friends. Uh -huh. We were having a, a nice Dominican breakfast, and the other then like probably like two hours later, I was chilling with some of my like you know muralist friends, and then later on that night, I was you know having a good little dance party with uh, some of my homies, <laughs> some of my homies that are into like electronic music and EDM. <laughs> it's just like for me. I have like such a natural appreciation of yeah. that, you know, of, of just of cultures and subcultures that I just it, it just feeds everything that I do, you know, that sounds because, like, yeah. it sounds wow. like it could be like a movie, George's Day of Cultural Diversity. Oh, it is so wild. It, it would be a long movie, but it would <laughs> be a really interesting movie. Um, the one other question that's not um, that I haven't told you about yet that I want to ask now that you said that is I'm yeah. a food guy. So what is a, a Dominican breakfast? Oh man! Oh oh. <laughs> okay, so you can get some uh, plantains. That's mm -hmm. always that always works. You get a little bit of egg, and then you also get um. Oh man, what is that called? Ah oh, it's my girlfriend is going to be so mad at me. Well, for one, I get Bustelo. Cafe Bustelo, which is always just uh, oh so amazing. But um, you get some mashed plantains. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And you have the egg on the side. Oh, oof. man. Feeling the hunger, George. Oh, oh, I need to stop right now. You know, stop, stop. We're just getting started yeah. here, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. So, George, in, in this journey, I'm, I want to hear what has been the most influential – design or illustration or maybe even mural of your okay. life so far something that you saw and just like stuck with you okay um it's very very easy it is uh keith herring's crack is whack mural okay. that is up in uh new york city okay uh, it's it's very important it's very important to me because as a as a kid i remember in my third grade class i was like drawing in my in my little notebook and the teacher came up to me and she was like, oh, what are you drawing? And I was like, you know, I'm just kind of drawing shapes. And I, I think I'm kind of interested in being like an artist. And she was like, uh, I think you're going to have to be a lot better than that. Like your, your, your stuff doesn't look real. It doesn't look like real people. And, you know, at first I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to give this one up. Like, <laughs> hey, she knows, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember that same day going back home. And I forget what I was watching on TV, but I remember they had like a shot of the crack is whack uh, mural that Keith Haring did. Okay. And I remember seeing that and I was like, wait, his stuff looks just like mine. And it's not like it's not anything that's like uh, realistic or, or looks so much like it doesn't have like shadows and lighting and nothing like that. But people are praising his work. So the very, I took a picture of that. Very next day, I took it to the teacher. I said, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yes. He's dope. And then she was, you know, she was just like, you can't talk to me. I was like, well, you can't talk to me like that. You yeah. can't tell me what I can't do. I, I, I got in trouble, of course. But my mom was happy. My mom was cool yeah. with it. She, she, was liked, like, uh, she liked the message behind it. Exactly. She was like, you can't do it all the time, but this time I'll let you go. Yeah, you work know? on the execution, but I like the message. Exactly, exactly. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that really, um, Keith Aaron really, really put a battery in my back. You know, he That's really, cool. he really helped me see that I can, 
kind of do whatever I want as long as I as long as I believe in it and as long as I, I make sure that it resonates with people. Because yeah. So would you say that he is a muralist and artist that you look up to? Uh yes, definitely. Definitely. Um he he's somebody that for me I kind of like gleaned a lot of um a lot of just inspiration from. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm saying, he just he just kind of was like free willing to like just do the things that he wanted to do and then yeah. create the world that he wanted to do. You know? And who else would be on that list, George, of designers um, or artists or brands that you look mm-hmm. up to and closely follow? Ooh, okay. Um, it's an amalgamation. It really is. Uh, okay, so I'll just kind of go off naming all the all the random brands that come. Row down. Okay, cool. Uh, so Kanye West, um, Tribe Called Quest. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Say Adams, which is a very influential uh, graffiti writer and designer. Um, who who else? Uh, oh, I'm thinking off the top of my head. Nike, uh, Lupe Fiasco. Um, the hype beast uh, forums from like 2000. <laughs> oh man, it's it's really just like a, a bevy a bevy of artists. De La Soul, um, the whole entire team behind Nike SB, who uh, just really, really, really like burst such like a, a huge, <laughs> just burst like a huge well of inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm like a huge sneaker fiend, so. Yeah, Aaron James Draplin. Um, you know, shout out to Detroit. Uh, Barry Sanders, the God. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got to meet him recently, and uh, yeah, that was just uh, had me crying. Seriously, That's cool. Tears of joy, tears of joy. Um, yeah, man, Randy Moss, because you know he can do whatever. He was a freak, and he just kind of believed in his own creative path to like. Mm-hmm. Even explore just like the physical side of football, which is just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. Man, what like you weren't kidding? What a wide variety <laughs> of you know like of you know cultural and art influences. Yeah, man. I literally I can go all day if you allow me to. Yeah. <laughs> I wish yeah. I had the time, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are some solid names and a number of them that I recognize and go, oh yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. definitely resonate. <laughs> Um, George, I want to now ask about print and packaging and print design and, you know, whether it be in your previous graphic design career, whether it's at the, um, screen printing shop that you were a part of, or maybe now, do you have any stories around print and packaging and how you're using it? Yes. Uh, one of my first canvases that I've, I've ever used is, was the t-shirt, you know? Um, like I said, like when, for me, I, 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 kind of got intrigued in doing graphic design because because of, of t-shirts and streetwear in like the early 2000s like and seeing that that was like that was an avenue to you know not only like put my art out there but I don't know also create something that was like a walking billboard at the same same point mm-hmm. you know so um, I'm like with with print, that is something that's always been important to me, and really one of the reasons why I even took the job as as a screen printer at uh, Danger Press. Man, mm-hmm. you know, um, they actually allowed me to like print there on, on the side late at night. Um, that's cool. Being able <laughs> yeah, to use was, the equipment sort of in your yeah, own time. Exactly. Um, 
I'm like, they even let me like try out brand new like printing, printing processes, like introducing like puff print uh, to T-shirts, which is for me, I love, I absolutely love puff print. Um, no, man, I'm, I feel like with, I feel like with printing and, and T-shirts, like all of those things are just like, they're, they're so great to me. I'm like, I'm a person that really doesn't, I, I like the physical tactility of things, you know? Yeah. And I, I love, I love t-shirts. I love clothing. I love having posters. All of that is just like, I'm like, it, it seems like ephemera for me or for some, but for me, it's just like, it, it's the bee's knees. It's, it's the best thing. It's the reason why my girlfriend is so mad because my, my house is just <laughs> filled with stuff, <laughs> stuff and things. Yeah. But I'm like, it's, like having it having it outside of a computer or having it outside of like a digital space it just it makes it a lot more real you know couldn't have said it better yeah man you're totally That's, right you know yeah. and it's not hoarding it's collecting george thank you you know what <laughs> thank you it's I've collecting been try- i've been trying to explain this but she does she just thinks i'm collecting dust yeah, no, yeah. My, my wife my <laughs> wife's the same yeah, she looks at, oh, do you really need to hang on to all this stuff uh, <laughs> yes yes i do Look, as a person that has like 80 pairs of shoes, um, yeah, it really it really gets on my girlfriend's nerves. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she'll ever understand. George, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of shoes, man. <laughs> uh, trust me, it, it can get it's going to get worse. Just wait. It's <laughs> Just wait. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. The next oh, few questions man. I have for you take you down yeah. part of your career where okay. you likely made some mistakes, uh-huh. had to change mm-hmm. direction, learn some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Oh, man. Um, so the yeah. first one I want to start with has, is what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Okay. Uh, I think one of the most challenging parts uh, was actually was actually earlier Earlier this year, okay. started this year, um, I was trying to make this transition into into doing murals. Um, I wasn't really getting that that many um, that many calls to do walls, of course, because you know it's just like any other like job posting. Like you have to have experience mm-hmm. <laughs> to actually get the job, but it's like no, I want the job to, so I can get experience. Um, but I was kind of, I was kind of like doubting myself, kind of mm-hmm. doubting if I could actually make this transition. Um, um, emotionally, just wasn't in like the 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 best of points. You know, mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like I was trying, but nothing was really coming. Um, and and for for a quick second, I just thought, well, maybe I just I just have to like continually like put out new work and and keep on making things and you know somebody will like tap me on the shoulder and and make it happen and and something about that just didn't feel right Mm -hmm. um and what i kind of came to the conclusion of was that it's it's never as as with all things it's never going to be like how the outside world kind of responds to what you're what you're doing Mm -hmm. or or how quickly they come or you know whatever it's it's never really about like the outside work it's what i've really found for myself that it was more about my own emotional um 
outlook or our inward look on everything that I was doing. Like I just I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling well. I was doubting myself. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like this could actually work. And because I didn't feel like that, there was no way that it was going to work on the outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, as a person that really struggles with his with his emotions um, or with really discussing my own emotions, I had to take the time to actually feel what I was feeling and and do the emotional work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just so much focus on like, oh, maybe if I just get better at, at drawing or, or painting, it was like, no, I don't feel good about what I'm doing. And that and and even if you don't say that out loud to, to people or to the public, it resonates. Mm-hmm. You know, it resonates in everything that you do and how you do it. And so I decided like what at the start of the year just to kind of like take a good good month or so pretty much take every single like every single morning and just kind of check in with myself whether it's like meditation whether it's journaling um whether it's like research researching how to actually understand emotions um mm-hmm. uh and um reading a lot of about like alfred adler and personality development um just just really trying to understand understand why I felt the way that I did mm-hmm. about my work. And and for me that's that's honestly been one of the greatest things that I could have like ever done. Um yeah man. It, for sure. it transformed sure. everything. Seriously. A, a previous guest said it to me in a way that just really clicked and it was mm. you know it could be associated to you and a client not getting along, it could be associated to yep. you struggling yourself, but the saying he said was muddy water always shows up in the work. Ooh, ooh, I like right? that. Okay. Yeah. I wish I could. Mm. Ooh, I got to think back to who, who that was and I'm going to have to have to credit them. I like but, that. Yeah. It was just, it was so well said. And, uh, so mm. the, the muddy water shows up in the work, whether it's, you know, you battling yourself or whether it's a client relationship that's kind of on the ropes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It, it always shows up, man. I'm like, it's just, it's like a, it's like a bad stain on a white shirt. Like yeah. it's always going to be there. It's yeah. always going to be there unless you actually take the time to get the stain out. You'll always be looking like you always be looking like a fool with a stain on the shirt. So, hey, <laughs> so true. you know, <laughs> you got to get it out, man. You really do. So the next one I'm going to ask you, I want to dive yeah. a little bit deeper and get a little bit more specific. Um, mm. Can you tell us about a design or a project that you were mm-hmm. a part of a specific project or design yeah. um, that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? Um, how did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Okay. Um, let me see. There was a project that I worked on in, uh, in college. Um, at one point, I was actually the music director for Georgia State University. Cool. Um, yeah. So this was this had to have been around like 2012, 2013. Um, I was trying to put together uh, what was called a All Atlanta Music Festival. Okay. Um, it was going to be like the first of its kind in Atlanta for Georgia State University. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of built it up to be like this big thing. I was pulling all these different types of musical artists and and food trucks and personalities all into this one arena to kind of just celebrate Atlanta. Um, I 
for some odd reason, even though I had a, a team to support me, I decided that I was just going to try to do it all of myself, do it all myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was like the musical booking that was getting the artists, doing the promotions, doing the graphic design work, uh, doing all the doing every last part of it, except for probably one of the most important parts, which was the logistics mm-hmm. of the festival. Um, yeah, so probably like a week before the festival was actually going to happen, um, I got the word that, oh yeah, you didn't, you actually never contacted, uh, local security. You didn't get any permits. You didn't do any of the logistical things that one would need to do to actually make it happen. And, uh, yeah, they literally, they almost shut down the entire festival. Wow. That's that. Yeah. Um, luckily, luckily, luckily with a lot of work and a lot of, uh, long phone calls and a lot of begging, well, <laughs> it was definitely a lot of begging. Yeah. Um, we ended up like pushing it through, but it, I think it always resonated with me because it was something where I had to learn, like I had to learn a lot of lessons mm-hmm. in that, in that sense. Um, you know, the way I look at it now is like I, I really paid a, a low price for a very high price lesson. A mm-hmm. um, couple of them of making sure to include people in your process as much as possible, mm-hmm. uh, and and knowing that you're you're never just an island, no matter what you're doing. Even if even if now you know with like the the mural projects or illustration projects, I still have to work with somebody else to actually make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just making sure to to take care of the the business side and the logistics part of everything that you're doing because that it just it it not only makes sure that everything runs smoothly but it, it makes sure that it happens and that totally yeah and that the creative part of it can actually have a platform to stand on. I'm like, <laughs> if you don't take care if you don't take care of like the the business side of what you're doing, everything is just kind of for not, you know? So those lessons that you learned by yeah. putting on that festival and, you know, trying to tackle it all yourself, yeah. forgetting the logistical parts and really just looking at, I just want it to be pretty. I just want it to be awesome. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Forgetting, you know, the bones about it. Um, I spent three weeks working on the flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I spent no time booking security. I spent yeah. no time actually getting wristbands for people, like mm-hmm. no, none of the most important things, you know? So those lessons you now carry over into your mural and illustration career by yeah. you know, handing off, you know, almost like you're the visionary and you're the artist, but you need assistance with the logistical stuff, the planning exactly. and, the, and the, the, the little prep stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Got that it. and that, and I even make sure in my creative process that I build in time. Mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm taking care of like the logistics stuff for myself. Nice. You know, um, like even, even with the mural projects, it's like, I'm not just running around all day, like painting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would love to do that. Uh, but I know that to make sure that that continues to work well, I have to also spend time like reaching out to, to new business partners, 100%. reaching out to, reaching out to new suppliers, trying to make all these new relationships. I also have to make sure to, include social media in my journey. You know, I have to update my portfolio so that I can constantly have a, a new influx of work. 
mm-hmm. so that I can continue to, to do the creative thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's like it's the lesson of, of learning that that discipline itself produces freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's not that it's not that more freedom begets freedom. No, that you just become somebody that doesn't actually realize what true freedom looks like, you know. So like that's, that's, yeah, that's where I, that's where I try to position myself. All right, George, I'm going to turn this bus around for you. Um, I want you now to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing. Oh man. Um, (laughs) uh, recently, uh, recently, matter of fact, at the start of the year, Mm -hmm. very start of the year, this kind of ties back in with me doing like the emotional work. Um, because I took that time because I took that time to, to, you know, work on myself. Yeah. That, uh, I randomly got a project sent into my inbox that uh, definitely wasn't expecting, definitely wasn't like pushing to get. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I got basically got contacted by the NFL um, to do a live mural for uh, what the day before the Super Bowl in the middle of Atlanta. What? Um, yeah, mind you, uh, up until this point, I had only done probably like two murals two murals. <laughs> like yeah exactly um which was like one i was like this is a scam and then i saw like the official like seal at the bottom of the uh the email and you went I said, oh boy i said oh word oh <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and um yeah man it was for one i have like I said, I've only done two mural projects up until that point. Yeah. I've never live painted a mural mm-hmm. up until that point. I had never even used spray paint, and they required that we use spray paint. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, uh, we're going to have to figure this out. And, um, yeah, man, it was <sighs> having that happen, having that happen in the middle of, in the middle of Atlanta, combining, like, all the different things that I love, which is, you know, football, <laughs> Atlanta, yeah. and painting, and being able to, to, to do that on such like a large scale in front of what, I think they said there were around like 25,000 people in the middle of, uh, of Centennial Park. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was such a beautiful moment. And then even bringing my parents in, because I can tell you, as with most creative careers, like they were like, when I told them I wanted to be a muralist, they said, uh, that doesn't. Are you sure? You like, sure? So you, you you're sure? just gonna you're gonna paint <laughs> on walls, and somebody's gonna pay you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but like, I, I I remember it very distinctly. Like, bringing them through the crowd and showing them the work that I had just done, and mm-hmm. and and like them seeing like the interaction of my work with some of the people taking pictures in front of it, the kids interacting with it. And I, I just felt like a, a sigh of relief from them of like, okay, I get it. This makes sense. I, I didn't see how you were going to make money off of this, but this makes sense. But here and you are with all these people around doing right. the work, you know, alongside of such a big event. Exactly. That's uh, cool. It was it was a blessed it was a crystallizing moment for me to just kind of continue just following my intuition on the work that I actually need to do. Yeah. You know? 
So, yeah. so cool. What an amazing opportunity. That's still mind blowing. <laughs> well, George, you have made it to the ask oh. it forward question, my friend. Ooh, okay. Mm. So I have a question for you for my previous guest. And after yeah. that, you get to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask mm. them anything. Okay, cool. So my previous guest was Emily Chen. She's a freelance designer and art director out of London. Mm. She's also part of the ladies wine and design chapter out there, which is pretty sweet. Oh, wow. And she wanted to ask, what advice would you give your younger self? (laughs) Um, What I love about this mm. is that I didn't know your story or your journey. She didn't know your story, your journey, but somehow that question just magically aligned and somehow just makes sense for you. (laughs) Oh man. Oh yeah. That's perfect. Shout out out to her, you know, shout out to the the ladies that wine and dine. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, for me, I would say, (sighs) Hmm. You're going to get me emotional in here. You better not make me cry. <laughs> can't, you can't see my tears over the podcast. No. Nope. Um, okay, great. Good, good, good. Um, I would simply just tell myself that the creative life that, that, you, that you dream of living, that you put in all of your composition notebooks, uh, that, you, that you sketch out daily, that you, know, you, you really go to sleep and wake up kind of dreaming that it would be a possibility that the only person that was always in your way is, is you. It wasn't, it never, it never was any other person, whether it be, you know, your, your parents disbelief or your, your dad's disbelief that you could do it. Um, or just the level of exposure and knowledge that, that others had about what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. The only person that was hindering yourself from getting there was you. And it's, Ooh. yeah. And it's such a beautiful realization once you know that. So, yeah. yeah. Shout out to you, uh, 16 year old George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George. So well yeah. said, man. The only person in your way is you. Yeah, man. Oh, so serious. Mm. Whew. Okay. Hit me mm. with the ask it forward question that you would Ooh. like me to ask the next guest. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. Um, what emotional hurdle, very specific emotional hurdle, um, did you have to work through to make sure that you find your own personal brand of success? I love it. Mm. George, that's awesome. Thank you. I am going to ask that question of the next guest, and you made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast, my friend. Woo! <laughs> George, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been awesome having you on. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm like, this has been an awesome experience. This is like my first interview. So, yeah, awesome. this has been great. <laughs> That's so great. All right, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Man, George speaks right from the heart. There was no holding back, straight honesty. I love that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Thank you, George, for being a fabulous guest. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow. So we'll see you then. Bye.